0: Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. The Lakers just won the NBA championship.
1: Uh, I am. No, <laughs> that was fun, though. Such a fun game, man! First home win of the season. Staples Center is off the hook, man. It was that way in the San Antonio game, which they didn't win. Uh-huh. But just like the electricity in the building's unbelievable, man.
0: I want, like, it's very rare that I I go after announcers for saying or not saying things. Like in the World Series, it's one thing because Buck and Smoltz are just terrible at their jobs, but. <laughs> I I do want the Lakers fans and Staples Center to get its due for how great a crowd that it's been so far this season, and it,
1: it's been great. It's been it's been outrageous, and you know it wasn't just this year. Like last year, the crowd yeah. was really good too, and like they love Kyle Kuzma, man. Staples, like I think even more than. You know, just the the TV watching audience like really embraced him last year, mm-hmm. and but they're so. I mean, and this is a fun team to watch, but it wasn't just like Lakers fans have a you know bandwagon fan type reputation. Hell no, that's not no. how it's been. No. And like I, I tweeted it probably a couple. Times. Last year, we're like, this place is ready to have the roof blown off of it, and yeah. this year's team is going to be the one that does it.
0: I, I completely agree. Look, your, in my existence, and the careers that we have right now, would not we would not be able to do what we do if, no. if the Lakers fan base was, was a bandwagon thing. Like nah, it's
1: always been BS man. Like yeah. of course there's going to be the Lakers have more fans and fans than anyone, right? So yep. you, they're going to have more smart fans, more dumb fans, more hardcore fans, more casual fans. Yeah. And people tend to focus on the casual fans that but like no, that that crowd has been really good like in the two years that I've been there.
0: Yeah, that was that was incredible. I even I like to in in big moments I like to turn the volume up of the game. Uh, Just just not just for like the obvious reasons of like it builds excitement and, and stuff like that. But I do really think like how guys respond in those moments is telling and for some reason it comes through more when I have the volume up a little bit higher.
1: That's a great way to put it. Uh, Jeannie, my girlfriend, was at the game tonight with her friend, and she was like, afterward we met up, and, and she was like, I felt like the whole crowd, it just felt like it was going through me, like the noise, and just like <laughs> you <laughs> could like feel it, and it's totally true when you're yeah. in there, like it's like, and it's and an when you're at home, like, Yeah, it's an elect. That's exactly it. It's yeah. an electrical current. It's so fun to be there and to watch them on TV, you know, when when it's like that. Yeah, it's awesome, incredible.
0: All right, so what we're gonna do? We're just gonna have fun with this game, but there were three main points that both pete and i wanted to talk about you guys know who's talking that was pete i am me uh you guys know where to find the show we're going to talk about lonzo and rondo that's going to be i think the main talking point that everybody's going to be banding about until we get to saturday's game against san antonio we're going to talk about lance stevenson who i think is actually going to be more affected than lonzo will be by guys coming back into the into the rotation and we're going to talk about luke walton I have the theory that I threw out there on yesterday's show, and if you haven't caught that, you guys know where to find it on iTunes and everywhere that you find podcasts. Um, I thought the moving Josh Hart into the into the starting lineup was telling of his standing within the organization. I think that was really that was a good sign, and I thought him gambling with LeBron and sitting LeBron was a good sign. Those are those are things that you don't do if you don't feel. Grounded within the organization, so uh, let's dive into this thing though. Lonzo Ball, I thought, you know what I thought, set his game off and got him. He just kind of floated a bit, but that steal, and it was funny yeah. because they're replaying the game right now as I'm as right before we started recording this. That steal that he had on Jamal Murray that led to a layup, I thought that that kind of triggered the rest of his game, and he picked it up from that point forward.
1: That was exactly what Luke Walton said in his post game press conference. Well, that <laughs> that Lonzo was just floating, and then that specific play right there, and he had a nice like touch pass to LeBron. The possession right before, and then they inbounded it, and he picked up Murray. Yes, and right. it's this is something I'm planning on asking Luke in the next day or two. Is Luke is always like Lonzo is a game changer, and then there's the qualifier when he's aggressive, when he's looking to make things happen, right? How does that become an all-the-time type of thing? Mm-hmm. That second half and, – and so that play you were talking about happened with like three minutes left in the second yep. quarter, I think. And he was very good over those last three minutes. Before that, he was crap. In the second half, he was unbelievable, man. Like on both ends of the – how do you get that guy for 32 minutes per game as opposed to as sporadically as it is? Like I've always been a big Lonzo guy, but – when he's floating out there, that's not his game. That's, yes. He's not a guy that can like casually, all right, I'm going to score off the ball screens but not try too hard on everything mm-hmm. else tonight. He's at his best when he's a havoc creator, and we saw that guy in the second half. We need him to be that guy all the time. It's kind of funny because
0: th- there's been a lot of talk about him, and we'll we'll talk about this more as the season goes along, but something that just kind of struck me is LeBron likes to float on defense. Lonzo kind of likes to float on offense. That should be the foundation of their fit together, in my opinion. Like that's <laughs> that just, all right, you, get, you take that half. I'll take this half. Um, I, I, I thought, I don't throw this word around very often, and I know I can be hyperbolic, but Lonzo was straight-up dominant down the stretch of that game defensively. He dominated the game <laughs> with, with how active he was. It was incredible. How many guards in the NBA can do that? Uh, I mean Dejounte Murray is one. <laughs> you know, it, not very, not the way that he was doing it, because not all guards have his size.
1: Because he was getting in there and rebounding as well. Right. It's like it's a it's a matter of being disruptive, right? Even a guy like Murray, who's this like fantastic defender. Yeah. When Lonzo's got it going, and this was the I saw flickers of it in the Phoenix game. But tonight was the first night where I was like, oh, he's got his defensive timing back. Yeah. Like like he'd been playing fine up until this point. But that was where it really showed that that's coming back. And he was just freaking out. Everywhere, man, yeah. there was one possession where he defended like three different shooters off of switches and then <laughs> crashing down to the boards, getting on the strips and deflections it had a nice post possession on defense against Jokic mm-hmm. that forced him miss there and after
0: he got the step
1: back on him too right that yeah, was, was incredible just, <laughs> no he's the kid is just he's an unbelievably and and the thing this is why i 'm so bullish on him on a LeBron team and if they get the second max guy and all that. Those are dominant plays you can have with two superstar scorers next to you, right? He doesn't get marginalized or minimalized by those mm-hmm. guys. It's quite the opposite. He's getting much better shot attempts this year than he was last year. All of a sudden, what four out of his first six or four out of his first five games, he's shot fifty percent or better from the field. Yep, and his you know true shooting percentage, three point percentage, everything is like way way higher than it was last year. He can be a dominant player. Like a Draymond Green, right? The way that Draymond is dominant next to – right, next to Steph and Clay and Durant. He can be dominant at the same time doing different things.
0: I completely agree. We're going to take a quick second here, and I want to come back and talk more about Lonzo because – he he just he was that good. He was and this is we're talking about Lonzo Ball in a game where LeBron had a triple-double and came in and and did his thing down the stretch of a game and the Lakers beat the Denver Nuggets. But but I don't think this stuff gets talked about enough with Lonzo. So hang tight, we'll come back here in a second. Here's how he had a play and you were talking about the the you know specific plays down the stretch. He had a play where he deflected a pass that wound up with Jokic, and then deflected, and, and Jokic was right under the basket, and then deflected Jokic's shot, and then I think deflected the rebound, and 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 got the Lakers into transit. He was just incredible. And look, I fired off a tweet that you reminded me about. <laughs> <laughs> and when I sent it I said that I didn't think he had done enough over the last two games and a quarter to to make Luke think about uh, changing his rotation or his starting lineup on a permanent basis and then you know he he messes around and has his, the second half that he does and and so like the question that I, I have to you is was that second half enough to you or do you think that second because what it, what it was to us won't really matter so do you think that second half was enough to Luke to put him in the starting lineup? That was the point I was making there. Was that like cuz he needed to blow the doors off the place in my opinion to get that starting spot and I hadn't seen it to that point.
1: See, I don't think he needed to um and I would have uh, you know, there's probably no way to, to know. I think that Luke is big on like how five man groupings play together. And that particular group with Josh being inserted into the starting lineup mm-hmm. has played really well together. And I, I think Luke was going to keep that anyway. And I thought Lonzo was playing well before then he was just flat out dominant in that second half. But even up to that point, I thought, I, I think, I think that the plan is for Lonzo to be in <laughs> the starter, but I don't know, man, at this point, I, I think it would be really tough for Luke to make a lineup change going into sand. the, for me, the really interesting one is when Ingram comes back the following game yeah. and how that's going to be handled. So uh, I actually don't think you and I will talk before then. That'll be the Monday game. So Lakers play on Saturday and on Monday. So we'll have, we'll discuss on Tuesday what had happened, but mm-hmm. be very curious to see what happens as Rondo and Ingram come back from suspension. Cause that starting lineup is rolling.
0: It It really is. It really is. And, and you know, the team is winning, and it's tough to change that. Like with a team that needs wins as as desperately as this team is going to need wins over the course of the season because of the conference that it, that they play in, it's hard for me to like in the middle of a of albeit a two game winning streak, to to step in and and make that change. Yet, because because of the politics that you and I have talked a ton about about veteranship. And and voices in locker rooms and guys that people trust, I it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. It would be a tough call. I'd be disappointed
1: by it, but it wouldn't shock me. I agree with that. It wouldn't shock me. I will be very irritated though. Yeah, um, yeah. Lonzo is a better basketball player than Rashawn Rondo. Yeah, like Rondo's Rondo's a solid, very good point guard, very good a player, very good backup in this point guard. He's a fantastic backup point guard, mm-hmm. um, but he's just—he's not a better. Both he's not a better player, and he's not a better fit. Yeah, right. Lonzo's ability to spot up and his improvement in that respect, his ability to create havoc on the defensive end—like those are things the Lakers need—and that Rondo doesn't necessarily provide. R- Rondo can knock down shots all alone, but like he's just—he doesn't fit as well as Lonzo. Al- as well as Lonzo, along with not being as good as him. It's,
0: it's Lonzo's ability to create havoc without creating havoc on his, his own team. Like, Rondo likes to play Rover. Lance Stevenson loves to play Rover. But when they do that, they create bad stuff on the back end of whatever they're trying to do. Right. Lonzo is really good at, at creating that havoc and playing Rover and also recovering when he has to recover. That's a huge difference that yep. I cannot stress enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to no, let's 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 start with this point here. Um and and you know, you kind of alluded to Brandon Ingram and we have talked about Rajon Rondo and this is coming off of a game that it, you know, it's funny because I got a ton of mentions on Twitter about how much I I don't like Lance Stevenson and how much I haven't liked the signing and this and that and the other let me ask you this, Pete: Were either of those two three pointers that he hit,
1: like when he released those, did you feel like those were good shots? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I mean, it's it's something that maybe you know, and and maybe it's even like so. What going into this game, he's shooting like fifty-eight percent from the field. Like, yeah, neither of us would have had any criticism about Lance Stevenson's game if he was going to be a fifty-eight percent, yeah, from the guy. And that being said, I can see it now. Like seeing this team in action, they are bonkers in terms of pace mm-hmm. and the picking we knew, but. Lance's fit with this team may very well be better than he's like Indiana, for example, where he was last year, very different team stylistically. Mm -hmm. And that's where he's really cut down on the, now he had, he'll have his adventures. Yeah. I was just going to say, he got really drunk on one play. I was like, what are you doing? Um, And uh, that said, he is, like attacking the rim with purpose as opposed to dancing with it as much. And, yeah. and with, don't get me wrong. I like, I like, I like flashy play. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not like basketball should be played this way or whatnot. <laughs> just, just with your arm bar, like, like go attack. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's at his best when he's legitimately attacking rather than dancing on the perimeter. Like make one move, maybe one move in a counter and then go. And Mm -hmm. he's been doing that and really putting, and even on the shots he's missing, he's drawing that second defender and it's like easy cleanups for JaVale or Jonathan Williams and stuff like that. So like just on this team, he's, he he may be a much better fit than I ever anticipated. I think it comes down to math that the Lakers are going to play so
0: many possessions that you can waste a Lance possession or two. Uh,
1: I I still don't think that's given. Given him enough credit for how well he's played. Oh, no, no. So for far. sure. I, In I, think, that. I think he's been, uh, like,
0: the Phoenix game, I thought he changed that with those six straight points. The Lakers sure. flat out do not win the game that we're talking about here without Lance making his scoring his eight straight points. Like those are, that's good Lance. I'm Mm -hmm. saying that because of how fast the Lakers play, when he goes into bad Lance, they're going to play so many possessions and they're going to have so many beneficial possessions that those bad Lance possessions might mean less. If he plays on a slower team, those bad Lance possessions
1: become more important. He's a guy. And that's a great, that's a good point. That makes sense. Um, He's a guy that, when things are lethargic, he can really swing it. Like they were down eight when he hit those two back to back. And it was like a very dead type of eight, right. From a just energy standpoint in the room, in the building. And, Back to back positions. I mean, good shots, bad shots. They went in. Yeah, and it was like it was a- me, It was ironic. It's funny. I'm sorry to cut you off, but
0: they were from the exact same spot that Ron Artest hit his shot in Game Seven, <laughs> where sure. where we. I think it was all, same spot, even on the court. Right? Yeah. I was like, like, no, no, no. Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like no, no. no. Okay, and Kobe happened to be, able to be in the building. I, all we needed was Lance to be there with his face on a Wheaties box telling people in the press room to acknowledge him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, we're going to take a quick second here, and when we come back we'll talk about Luke Walton because I think there are points to be made about the way he has coached uh, that, that I think are, are are very meaningful, I guess, developments that we've seen early on in the season. So So sit tight. So the, the theory that I threw out there last show was, and I wrote about it briefly for Silver Screen and Roll, though when I write my pod posts, I'm not trying to give away too much, so I didn't get too deep into it in, in my writing. But basically that you and I have talked a ton about the politics of this locker room and this organization and and the entire dynamic of the people who didn't hire him or didn't refer him or anything like that, right? And the fact that, Josh Hart was moved into the starting lineup. What was it? Three games into the season. Yeah. Uh, it, given given the clutch factor and given all of those things, like that that move told me that either LeBron is on board with that kind of thing, you know. Or Luke is so confident that he's just going to say, "You know what? I'm going to wind up doing what I what I think is best for the team. Consequences be damned. We're trying to win games, and and no matter what the framing for the situation was, I thought that's a huge development given a lot of the stuff that we were kind of concerned about when it came to Luke Walton this season.
1: Yeah, that's something that. So Luke needs to be collaborative with LeBron. He's not going to just tell LeBron James what to do. Right. But on the other he can't ask LeBron James permission to coach the team. Yeah. Right. Like he has to be the coach and make decisions and decisive. He can get LeBron's input. They can collaborate. And, you know, but at the end of the day, he can't be like, Mr. James, can I please put KCP on the bench? Yeah. And that's a delicate balance that he's going to have to strike, that he's going to continue to have to strike over the course of the season. I was, I was encouraged also by the, the, who would it just, just the vibe of him, and, and just like the, there's a force to Josh's game that KCP doesn't have. There's so many plays where KCP will come off of a screen and like, you know, he he could go all the way to the basket but he pulls up or and he's a lot less confident in driving to it than Josh is, and then like kicks it back out to the guard up top and now it's like, oh, now the play's stopped and there's ten seconds left. Okay, just set up a high ball screen. There there's just a ferocity to Hart that kcp doesn't have and it really fits the overall vibe of the team it's part of why lance is really thriving i think too because mm-hmm. he's got a ferocity to his game himself and that's why kuzma as well just this like go 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 type of vibe um and luke's ability to recognize that and go to it as early as he did i mean kcp certainly helped matters by f- sucking out loud right <laughs> yeah. um but yeah, that certainly helped but nonetheless clutch client right all of that and and it's working so, um, yeah, very encouraging to see. I, I completely agree. And then
0: a couple other things that, again, go to somebody who was just confident coaching. And and I, I can't stress this enough that he's not a Magic Johnson hire. He is not a LeBron James hire. And him having the confidence to—this is a huge gamble that if Lance doesn't make two step-back three-pointers doesn't look very good— he went to he went a long time before he brought LeBron back into the game. And that's a big gamble there. And and it paid off. LeBron because he was so much fresher having coming having come into the game came out there and just put a whooping on everybody who was in front of him. Poor Paul Millsap. He and Paul Millsap I think have the exact same dimensions in terms of like <laughs> physical build. And and he went through Paul Millsap like you and I would walk through a spider web, right? He was just to put the game on ice and you know that again Luke having the confidence to be patient be patient be patient okay yeah now I'm going to throw this ace into the game I, that that again speaks to me as somebody who is starting to learn his voice on the team
1: yeah no very much so and <sighs> It's still gonna be a process though, right? Yeah. And it's something that you know, he had that sub where he took LeBron out when they were up eight or when that when they were down six or eight or something like that, and sent LeBron to the bench, it was like, Oh well, this better work. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah and it did, right? And and you had a well rested LeBron James come in for the last four minutes of the game mm-hmm. or so. Um and but but yeah, Luke's gotta go out there and be confident and coach the team and that that doesn't mean be tone deaf and that's not the type of guy he is yeah but but yeah like he he's done a nice job so far of not asking permission to coach the team yeah he's he's and this was one of his strengths coming into the season
0: right was that he was a communicator he was good at finding that balance of of being demonstrative but also clear-cut and understanding this is all a collaborative effort yeah um all right We're going to finish this show and send everybody off until the weekend. Now that the Lakers won, we get to play our game. We get to we get to find our funniest moment of the game. Do you have one offhand or do you want me to go first?
1: So that entire possession with Lance Stevenson was freaking hysterical. Like, I don't know how you can turn the ball over twice on the same possession, but he somehow managed to do it. No, you're forgetting the part
0: that right part, not fart. Part. <laughs> you're forgetting the part that right before that happened, that whole experience occurred because Lance had to climb the ladder to get an offensive rebound after
1: Javale McGee tried a skyhook. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it was just like a whole adventure with those two. Man. It was. It was incredible. It was it's a- funny, like Michael Beasley's played like five minutes this season, but it's like when Beasley comes out there, like it tips the insane scales just like too much, you know, when you've got like Lance and JaVale and although JaVale has been obviously been fantastic in most respects, although his pick and roll defense was killing me tonight. Um, but but yeah, just like they're not going to be boring. I, I keep saying that and regardless of what happens, this team is not going to be boring. What was your funniest moment from the night?
0: Oh, man. All right, well, you I, I was going to go with the JaVale thing because I knew you were going to talk about the Lance thing, but... Uh, After the game, or or I I don't know if it happened in the moment or after the game, you guys have to find this. Pete, if you want to hop—I think it was the very last tweet that I sent, but there was a picture that the official Lakers Twitter account found of uh, Lonzo rising up to shoot that step-back three-pointer on Nikola Jokic, and I don't know if you remember— The look on
1: his face the Isaiah
0: Thomas versus that? Yes,
1: (laughs) I saw that. It was great. (laughs)
0: It's so good. And the caption I gave it was th- that look that you have when you bite into a pizza like 30 seconds too early. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jokic has a great "I'm getting cooked on defense" face, doesn't he? <laughs> I I, he, I said before the game that he's the greatest
0: athlete I've ever seen who plays as if he's holding in a fart. Like it's every <laughs> everything about the way that he plays. I could watch him play basketball. Like I I, I host Locked On NBA with Adam uh, mattis and and he does Locked On Nuggets, and we like to go back and forth about the two teams. And I always tell him that like I'm legitimately jealous about some of the content that Nikola Jokic. T- it creates because of like his mannerisms on the court. It's incredible. He's a mouth breather. It's it's amazing. All right. Speaking of amazing, the Lakers have a two game winning streak. We are heading into the weekend on a high note, an especially high note given how low we were before this winning streak started. Right. And this was the, this was one of the things that you and I were really adamant about. Was yes, the Lakers were zero and three. But here were all these reasons to be optimistic that they were they were in these games late and it was just a matter of not making as many mistakes, taking advantage of things when they when they presented themselves, whatever it was, and in this case, you know, I I predicted I thought the Lakers were gonna lose this, it was a back to back and they were shorthanded, though Denver is also shorthanded, and, and I thought this was the one of those wins that, you know. You can start to build off of. You can really build off of moving forward. And in and, and, and big picture, this was a big one.
1: Yeah, like it was nice to whoop on Phoenix, but it's Phoenix, right? Yeah. The Nuggets are good. Like the Nuggets are a legitimately good they were team. 4-0? And, and, yeah, they were 4 0, and they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they were a 45, 46 win team and they're better than they were last year. Like, like they're impressive in person Mm -hmm. and the Lakers, like they're not clicking on all cylinders. They're not like LeBron James can't make a damn layup to save his life half the time. and, you know, and don't get me wrong, LeBron was great tonight, but it's not what it's going to be. And there's so many, like so many of their defensive mistakes are, oh, I thought you had them. oh, I thought right. you had them type uh-huh. of like things that will get better with greater familiarity and, and communication. So to beat a team like that when you're in the very beginning stages uh, and, and not clicking on all cylinders, like this team's going to be really good. Yeah, I, it was.
0: That was a good one. That was a big one to get. That was a, that was a really important one. And and as a fun exercise, if you want to have a little bit of fun over the weekend, go back and find preseason highlights because the Lakers opened up their preseason slate with two games against the Denver Nuggets, and compare that to what we saw last last night. And you can you can very visibly see the progress that this team has made. And that has been the theme of the season to this point: is just continue to get better. And then the wins will come eventually, so long as you're following proper process. So that was fun. Have a great weekend,
1: bud. Me too, man. That was fun. And it's uh, it's partied up on Saturday. Yeah, I guess I'll see you in
0: a, in a day or so.
1: Have a great weekend, right. everybody.